What are you noticing? A couple of times throughout the day where we can just check in, but particularly just in terms of a little bit of kind of steady formal practice through the morning and in the light of you know whatever's happening in your experience but particularly this sense of noticing the free relationship or not the tighter or more frictional frictive relationship with things so if there's if you have questions or comments or things you'd just like to explore a little about that please feel free Hi, um, I had a question regarding um, sort of meeting, meeting um, a, a friction versus um, something that I had heard from another teacher recently, which was about um, the proliferation of thoughts mm-hmm. if we give attention to them or to it. Um, so that was just something that I, I find myself just kind of unsure. Sort of. Well, what, what would be the example then of something that you notice there's some um, conflict or difficulty with, some friction, and where the meet, meeting with it seems to you know, be, produce a proliferation of thought? Um, it would particularly be with uh, melodies and music mm-hmm. uh, that sort of starts to take place in the background or in the foreground, uh, foreground. But um, and and feeling like trying to meet this didn't seem like it was leading to any. So, so again, trying to trying to meet it. Trying to, to meet it. Yeah, trying to meet it mm-hmm. uh, just seemed to just bring more proliferation. And the proliferation in this case is the is the sense of the yeah, just the melody out. continuing and just taking more space. Mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so first, that's very common, right? For some more than others, but either some creative melody or some replayed, regurgitated old melody, that old you know song. So, um, you know, there can be a, a what we might call it meeting, but there can be a way of, you know, engaging with and feeding, or there can be a way of meeting that's really just allowing it in the same way. Look, we've got this, it's a bit of a dull melody, right? Whatever this is out the. But what are you going to do, right? There can be a way of meeting, just acknowledging, just just tracking the way it informs experience, right? And it might inform it in different ways. It might be just sound, or it might be sound, but actually we can sort of feel the vibrational resonance in response to that sound in our body. body. Or it might be that there's a a not liking, right, that arises. It might be a whole proliferation. I was noticing the first time we sat, I didn't notice it this time because the air conditioners were on, right? So the air conditioners are just doing their thing, they're on a schedule. But for me, this sounds like a generator. Right? And I live in the countryside in France, and sometimes people put on their generator for something, but usually it's for a short time, right? and then it stops. And then you know, like if you're meditating at home and the fridge stops for a moment, it's like, oh. Right? You don't notice the sound, and then the absence of the sound has a certain kind of beautiful, relieving quality to it. 
And I noticed myself that the first time we were sitting this morning, I was anticipating the ending of the sound of the generator. And I would just notice every now and then, the thought would come, oh, and I was like, oh, why do I think it's going to end, right? I don't know what the schedule of the generator is. So, but that, all of that can be met freely. Right? And the same with a mind-created melody. This is a, a world-created melody. <laughs> Right? And then it's just the same thing, mind-created melody, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So what I'm calling meeting is just, just open to and engaged with the fact that it's there. And just noticing or tracking, tracking what it does. That doesn't need to lead to anything extra, necessarily. So when I speak about bit like that. How does that, how does that respond to what was going on with you in the melody? Um, <clears throat> well, I, I mean, I found that if I was sort of trying to sort of meet it in the body, uh, it, it would lead to less proliferation. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just, I guess, finding the, maybe you paying attention more to the process as opposed to the content. So right. The content doesn't <laughs> right. I mean, that's, I think that's a, one of the fine arts of practice, right? is how to really, really m make room for the content of experience without uh, getting pulled away by or carried away or taken up with the content. Right? We tend to, what we know at first is like either being caught up in content or trying to get rid of content. So, and then I would say that's a sort of endlessly refining art of how to really, really, uh, yeah, make room for, room for all this without interfering with it. And that is the taste, I would say, the taste of freeness, really, is, is knowing our capacity moment by moment, right, to accommodate experience without generating tension and drama around, around it. And, that's, and then it's a knowing it not just in the moment, but an increasingly kind of larger scale knowing of, oh, that's our fundamental capacity of a free way through life. And so one sort of trusts that capacity before things happen, and then while things are happening, and then after things are happening, all of that becomes increasingly an evidence of how trustworthy this basic capacity to, to meet things freely is. You know? So a, a, a melody is as good a situation as any other, right? For just for working with that. And again, that's what I found very helpful in my own practice. It doesn't matter, ultimately, what the content is. Every bit of content, you know, pleasant or unpleasant, inner-generated or outer-generated, you know, uh, sensory or uh, interrelational or whatever it is, any bit of content right there shows you something about how you relate to experience by habit and how one can relate to experience more freely. Okay. Yeah, please. Um, just, just wait for the mic. And please say your names. Some of you, I know your faces, but not your names. So just say your name when you speak. If you... Cynthia. Cynthia. We met last year yeah. at your retreat. 
Um, I think this is friction. In the walking meditation, I'm, I'm looking at my inner landscape for presence. And at the same time, especially in this small space, I'm experiencing the energy around me. Mm. And I'm feeling other people's energy. And I'm like, is this, am I present or not present? And am I inside myself or am I taking in too much of the energy around me? So that was like happening in my mind. Say a little bit more about what you mean by, uh, did you say experiencing the energy of people? Is that the word? Yeah, yeah, like I can feel people's energy coming by me. Yeah. Uh, I see people walking in front of me. Yeah. And so I'm taking that information in, mm -hmm. and some part of it annoys me. <laughs> like, I'm like, is it okay to feel other people's energy, or should I just be like feeling my life, and then I'm thinking, well, you know, this is life, having energy right. around you. So there was like this dialogue in my mind about, is it okay to be influenced by others? And well, we don't have much choice. You can decide that it's okay or not okay, but here you are, right? In a way, it's not much different than what we were just saying about with the sound, right? We talk about my life and my energy, and then outer life and outer energy, their energy. But in the end, it doesn't make much difference. Right? It's just we're being impacted by experience all the time. Right? And we tend to divide experience up in all kinds of ways. right? So what, like, One way we can divide it up is what we call mine and not mine, right? inner and outer. But actually, when you just expose yourself to the influence and the impact of experience moment by moment, which we call being present with experience, like you were saying, you notice, well, the, the sphere of influence doesn't, doesn't respect my ideas of inner and outer. Right? Just, just influence. Some, sometimes I can really feel that I'm here and there is a world around me happening uh -huh. and I'm taking it in. Mm -hmm. And then other times, I'm like, the world is like really affecting me a lot. Right. Where am I in right. this world? So, that's, so in other words, more important, more relevant than is it okay to be aware of this or that, because you can't do much about that, right? We are impacted internally, externally. You can't stop yourself from being impacted, mm -hmm. right? Attention will go where it goes, right? So sometimes attention goes where it goes by habit. Right? We've got a lot of habits of where our attention go. Our habit is to go and mull over the past, or the habit is to plan a lot about the future, or the habit is to be very analytical about what's happening in the present, or the habit is to tell myself a very familiar story about how I'm, you know, whatever. Or attention goes where it goes by impulsion. Right? So our habit is impelled, some, our attention is impelled. If I go... What can you do? You can't not have your attention go to... Right? So sometimes by habit, if any impression is strong enough, it will compel the attention towards it. And then what's the third option? Is attention can be directed. Right? That's what a practice is. But So we're cultivating attention to, to be present and curious, and open, and non-judgmental, and generous with experience. 
And we're noticing, oh, you know, I, it's a, I don't have a lot of choice about the content of my experience. I don't get to decide really what's inner and what's outer, for example. So more important than, than is it okay or not is how do I meet it? How do I meet it by habit? And how can I meet it by practice? So sometimes, by habit, it sounds like you're saying, oh, you just have a sense of, of just, it just being rather, um, you know, there's a sense of inner and there's a sense of outer, but the interaction between the two isn't problematic. And other times, I think that's what I heard you say, right, that, it seemed, that the world seems jarring. So rather than, you know, is that okay or not, it's like, oh, what's jarring about it? And what can I, what can I do about it? So how does, how does that sound to you in light of the way you were experiencing that in the, sit, in the walking? So it's kind of examining the kind of mindfulness is examining um, my, my discomfort with being affected by the outside world. Right. So here's people, right? Chip people. You might like them or not like them or really not know much about them either way, right? Maybe many of them you don't know very well. Maybe, you know, there's some, can be probably some basic assumption that they're all more or less nice people, right, in a place like this. And here they are coming and going in accordance with the instructions. I mean, we've had a broad agreement where you're going to walk around together, right, for a while. And then you notice annoyance arising. It's like, ah. Now then you can do a lot of things with that annoyance. You can just be bought into the annoyance, really believing that they are annoying me. That's one thing you can do. Right? Sometimes, some of us, our habit goes there. You know, can't they pay more attention? Don't they know that I'm walking here? Mm -hmm. Well, there's another thing you can do, which is the strong habit of others. You can kind of be hard on yourself about the annoyance. I'm supposed to be compassionate. Why am I so annoyed? I'm a failure at this practice. It's a waste of time. Or... Right? You can get curious about, oh, that's what's happening. I'm annoyed. There's nothing wrong with getting annoyed. That's the, the material of practice in that moment. And then the meeting or allowing or opening to, it's like, oh, how come I'm annoyed? What is it actually that's annoying me? It's the way they're walking. Okay, that's the first layer. But what's actually annoying me? And then that becomes, that's what you're walking with. There's a certain kind of friction that's there anyway. Right. Annoyance is a certain kind of friction. And then what do you do? Do you create a whole lot more friction about it? Or do you... Are you, you know, the basic friction of life, you know, having unwelcome and unwanted experiences arise, or losing experiences or situations or people or whatever that, we, that are dear to us, that, that's built in. And then there's all we do with it. And it seems to me that's when uh, our practice can really become all-encompassing. All when there's, there's nothing that shouldn't happen. Annoyance happens. There's no need to either invest in it, nor, um, nor judge it, nor push it away. Just, oh, okay, annoyance. It's almost like, what good fortune to be able to walk in the company of annoyance. Because right? I know that annoyance is a feature of life. So let's check it out. What's it doing right now? How am I meeting it right now? What do I recognize from my habit of that right now? And how can it yield to 
freely unfolding annoyance. That's fantastic. And I, I just have to say that I take, I do a lot of work with people and I like feeling people's energy. <laughs> and uh -huh. in this circumstance, it kind of frightened me and annoyed me. Uh -huh. So, um, just an yeah. observation. Yeah. 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 And, you know, there are, there are ways in which we can consciously, like I say, so habit goes where it will, uh, attention goes by habit, or attention gets compelled, but also attention can be directed by practice. So with that, for example, if one feels one's getting um, overly impacted or uh, uh, overwhelmed or, or just there's, there's sort of too much in one's sensory field, Right? And that's not just the seeing and the listening, but also the, the direct the sensing or feeling, in this case, what you're calling people's energy. You know, you can actually experiment with, with consciously just making the field or the sphere of your attention a bit smaller. Right? You can't stop yourself from being impacted by things, but you can, rather than having a sphere of attention that's just, you know goes all out to everything that's happening, you can choose to just bring the sphere of attention in so that the focus is here in a little more of a precise way or contained way or narrow way. That's what, it's helpful, I think, to think of attention like a camera lens. Right? There's reasons to focus the camera lens in particular ways, right? more narrowly or more openly. If you focus more precisely, that which is being focused on will stand out more, and the rest will be blurry. If you have a much more wide open focus, everything's noticed, right? although there's not so much detail around anything in particular. And those different modes are appropriate different times. Thank you. Okay. John, is it John? Yeah. yeah. So my question is curiosity. Like, mm. My perception is that, you know, you're curious, but it's more experiential that you're feeling it. But it sounds like you're saying use words. Like use, use words. I go, what is this? Mm. Well, I'm saying? speaking, so I don't have much, op much, uh, I don't have much choice but to use words, yeah, right? Yeah. So in the process, though, like you're saying, I would say it, the uh, curiosity is mostly a case of feeling into, right? a kind of what we might call kinesthetic curiosity, right? visceral curiosity. And, and there may or may not be words to that. It's fine if there are words to that. One may actually have the words, oh, what is this? Oh, what's familiar about that? But the words follow. So awareness, we might say, leads, right? Feeling into, and then the words follow. If the words are leading, the awareness will get lost behind somewhere. And then you're just getting into thinking about. But that doesn't mean we want to swing the other way and imagine that there shouldn't be any kind of a descriptive process. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Please. Yeah, it's coming. Um, you're shifting of the words to in and down. In uh -huh. and down was very meaningful. And so in both of the sit sittings, I focused on that. And I noticed it gave me more time 
gave me more time to do, as you say, to just be curious and live with the feeling as opposed to up and out. I mean, in and out, it just is just that pause where I could perhaps, or holding my breath where I have that time to um, focus, whereas with the in and down, it was suddenly a lot slower movement, and it was a wonderful thing to notice. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, you know, time um, is very, very malleable, right? You know, clocks aren't, clocks are pretty regular, but our experience of what we call time is, you know, can can uh, open and morph and shrink in all kinds of ways. Right? And very interesting, you know, it sounds like you're struck by that, you know, that the more, uh, we might say, the more present we are, the more time we have, actually. Right? And that feeling, it seems to me that uh, just orientating towards the possibility to operate more slowly, is incredibly helpful. Very often we find if we just really check in, we're, we're moving, we're doing things faster than we need to. And mostly I mean the, you know, this correlation between how that ends up getting acted out, but mostly it's the inner feeling of speed. Right? We might need to do something quickly or move something quickly or run for the bus or whatever. But, the, but uh, there's, nothing, there's nothing problematic about moving quickly. But there's something very problematic about rushing. Um, and often it's that, you know, the example I give when I'm teaching in the UK, I talk about making tea, because that's what Brits do, right? We make tea. And the, you know, the tendency to make tea quickly. because we're operating faster than we need to. The kettle boils, you know, in a fixed number of minutes. Kettle, but, but the time it takes, the experience of making a cup of tea, can feel completely different, right? Of trying to make it fast. Or of actually... You know, the, the practice of, of letting, think, letting life slow down, and we, you know, like in and down, sl it slows things down. And wonderful to to feel genuinely a sense of time, time enough, time enough to breathe, time enough to feel, time enough to respond. The sense of the gaps opening up between things. You know, sometimes on retreat, the gap between thoughts can really open up and be vast. The gap between breaths can feel vast. Vastness can't be measured on the clock, but the sense of time can open up in extraordinary ways. So wonderful if that's what you're noticing. And I'd say just really, if that right now, you know, different things, sometimes something strikes us and it's just very alive for a certain time, and then it's something else. So if that sense of oh, in and down and, and a quality of slowing and opening is there, Please feel free to really use that while it lasts. Right? And then be willing to just move on when it's not so alive anymore. Yeah. Because that's the other thing we do. It's like we make something out of it and expect it. And so now this afternoon, okay, in and down and slowing, here we go. Maybe or maybe not. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. To a couple more, and then we'll. Um, I was the the um, mac micro thing. I can see how that's helpful sometimes, also. Um, but I was doing something with my head. I was feeling whatever friction, obsessing, planning, um, and I was trying to expand. And I was, you know, teachers have given that example. If you put the salt in a cup of water, it's very salty, but if you put it in the ocean. So I was trying to, like, I was seeing it visually of my brain, you know, I was imagining friction and all this movement, and then I was imagining everyone here with their little friction, like a little New Yorker cartoon. <laughs> but, and somehow it get, having it get bigger, like the more space around me made it not, not so important. It's like, oh, there's so much, there's space for that. When it's just me here, it seems so important. It overtakes me. So does that, I mean, because I, I was trying to figure out what to do with your instruction. And it all sounds so nice. It sounds great to be free of that friction, but it's hard in, in light, like in actual life. Right. In the midst of some painful thing or interaction, it's, as you know, very, very difficult. So... Mm -hmm. Well, there's, I think there's two avenues, right? Like we said this morning, and that's what it sounds like you're pointing to, there's free of friction, but there's also free in friction, right? And sometimes we tend to get stuck more on the idea of getting free of a friction. But it sounds like what you're describing is a very good example of free in friction. The, 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 the busyness, whatever, didn't go away, right? But the, sh the different way of meeting it, rather than just being caught up in it, and then it feels narrow and tight, and it's just me and my crazy mind, and then, oh, hold on. Oh, and then you discover there's a, sp there's a lot of space. There's a whole universe. This is just a little blib, 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 blib thing. Right? So then it's still happening, but there's a freer meeting with it. Freeness in the friction. Right? And sometimes it's freedom from, and sometimes it's freedom in. You know, but if we only have freedom from, we're kind of, we're done in the moments where we can't. We can't. Often we can't make what's happening stop. We can't get away from the, the, the friction. But, oh, right there, more space around it, and therefore more ease with it, and therefore the taste of a certain freeness with it, despite the fact that it's, that's still running. I'm Aaron. Um, in the sit just now, I was very, I didn't have a lot going on. And I, paradoxically, I think I have worry when I don't have, when I don't have uh, issues to face. I just thought I'd bring that up to, yeah. to, to put it there. Yeah. I'm, I'm mostly at ease, but in the sitting, I've, there's something about ease that feels pathological. Yeah. And I, I, I truly believe that, that I, I grew up in an emergency setting. Right. And so for me to be calm and steady feels, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a dissonant feeling. Right. Yeah. So it sounds like you, you really see how that makes sense in terms of your background. And I would say even more fundamentally, existentially, that makes sense for everyone. 
on the one hand, it seems like all this practice is about, right? We look ease and peace and stillness and quiet and space and peace. And we say, oh, I'm living in New York and everything's busy and I long and I come to New York Insight again and again with a hope that space and peace. And, and then sometimes we actually get a bit of space and peace and ease and it's like, ooh, ooh. You know, there may be moments where it's, it's very relieving Maybe moments of, of like, oh, of really letting ourselves kind of, of giving ourselves to that. But pretty much inevitably, there's a kind of a, a very fundamental existential doubt and fear that comes up in the face of that. Because on the one hand, even though I long for that, when space and ease shows up, it's at the expense of our habitual relationship with things. We don't know in that moment who we are or what the world is or anything at all in a way. And that's at least disorientating, if not terrifying sometimes. Um, would, is that the same, would you say that it's the same internally as the New York analogy? I, I understand the frantic aspect of New York City and all that, but I don't, I'm not so uh, affected by that. But I think on an internal level, the, the emergent, the, that frantic need to address an emergency uh, when it's not going on, yeah. which it mostly is not. When I sit, when I sit, it, it feels, it's a little, it feels deadened. So that's, I just, I guess I'm just putting it out there to bring it into the space that it's okay for me to, to be calm. Right. You know, and, that, that and that probably, it sounds like that'll be learning, right? Yeah. Learning yeah. Yeah. that it's okay so to be calm. So let the half hour go without solving some problem. Yeah. Or seeing people that need help or yeah. whatever, just leave it. Yeah. yeah. And when that uh, inner franticness does get uh, provoked like, like what's wrong with me? Ways. Why aren't I having anxiety? Yeah, then it's also to you know knowing that oh yeah that makes sense in terms of my history, so not making it wrong. Right? Just taking care right. of it, and in the moments, and they may be just little moments before one feels uneasy about the peace, but in the little moments where there's some peace or calm or ease or whatever, really like letting yourself just taste that, just taste it, taste it. Taste the okayness of it, if you like. Taste the, the, the fact that you can just let yourself kind of fall a little into that. And almost inevitably, you know, for a while, we fall in a certain way and then habit reasserts itself in the form, whatever, of problem solving or sometimes in the habit of just, just random rub, mental rubbish. You know, a lot of the, the, the stuff we just goes on, we think, this is just junk. Just blah, 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 blah. Just a bit of re repeated rubbish from yesterday. A bit of vaguely anticipated rubbish about tomorrow. Right? But it's not just rubbish. It, it's, uh, it's constantly serving to sort of reassure us about a sense of familiarity. Oh yes, I'm a, I'm a self. And there's a world. And everything's not. And I know that. I've got this practice of try, trying to dissolve the sense of self and world, but actually when I get too close to dissolving sense of world, and it wants to reconstitute. 
And those sense of, you know, just little moments, oft repeated, little moments where you can allow the familiar sense of self and habit of self and activity of self to just soften. And where you can just, however much, just fall in to a kind of the, the non-differentiation between what and where and who and how and problem and solve and me and well, and just, just, just a little bit whenever it's there. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Okay, well time has gone by and I, my thought was after a little bit of this we would stop for lunch but I wonder if it might be, I don't know how hungry you are, I wonder if we might just sit for a little bit before lunch. Does that seem tolerable? Thank <laughs> you.